Hello everyone. Welcome to the weekly talk show, the EQ Talks with experts. The focus of this week's episode is innovation. We have with us Sukumar Rajagopal, who is the founder and CEO of Tiny Magic, a behavioral and digital transformation company. Sukumar was the CIO and global head of innovation at Cognizant prior to founding Tiny Magic. Sukumar has more than 3 decades of experience in IT industry where he has driven many successful transformation programs delivering values upwards of 400 million US dollars and winning many industry honors. Sukumar is an evangelist of innovation as a tool for transformation in organizations. I am glad to have him for our show. Sukumar, welcome to the Weekly Talks podcast and thank you for agreeing to share your experience with us. I know innovation is very close to your heart and uh, you drive a lot of innovative concepts in the digital transformation space at Tiny Magic and you have driven uh, many large transformation programs in Cognizant as well. I see you as a leader who has understood the inner workings of innovation, what works, what doesn't, why it works and what else impacts this innovation. So looking at a lot of innovations around us, it looks like emotions have a big role to play. To start with, we would be glad to know your experience with innovation. Yeah, sure. I mean, I know you are the emotion EQ person. So I was thinking about this interview and I was looking at emotions from my own life and see how I can connect these two topics together. I mean, my go long back, my obsession with innovation. I went to America in the year 1990. At that time, I was working in TCS. I was observing, I'm a new person in America. I'm, everything is different and it seems a guy going from Chennai to America, you can imagine. Everything is so new and obviously comparatively things are better, much better you can say. So that struck me and I realized that there is a, some way they have figured out innovation and creativity in that society. So I came back in the year 1991 um, and then I was working in the in Mumbai for some time and then I moved to Chennai and I wrote a memo to the then head of uh, Chennai. He's a very prominent and smart leader as well. So I wrote a memo saying we should create a creativity and innovation group within TCS. I called it the Inca group. I was enamored with the Inca civilization at that time. Of course, you can see that I was just 91, maybe I'm just three years into the industry itself, right? And this person I'm talking about is like a whatever, very, very senior person. And I had not yet built the skills to persuade people. So yeah, I wrote a memo. In those days, you had to write a memo. There was no email even. Obviously, the proposal didn't go far. But then this, this idea that everyone should be creative. In that memo, I write that every project, everything should do innovation. And we should encourage that. And this Inca group will be a bunch of catalysts who will help everybody innovate. That was my thesis. In fact, I have that letter preserved and I published it in one of my videos as well. But then time, okay, maybe because I couldn't pursue it, maybe I thought maybe that was not a very valid idea since some this happens to you and very senior people reject your idea because you tend to question whether what you are saying is true or not. So I put that in the back burner. And then I again went to America I, I, I would do my own innovations, which 
uh, which were happening but i this idea of making everybody creative again came to the fore when i became an account manager in cognizant in the year 1997 i started teaching and i still remember i, I was an ieee member then and i used to read all the ieee magazines and one of the magazines there was this process called opportunistic process evolution so it, it describes a very small process the point being there is opportunities in whatever process you are part of and you you identify that and i started teaching that but that somehow didn't click at all so again the self doubt got planted in me saying maybe this is not something teachable because this is the other thing that you hear over and over in innovation i don't know if you hear this on but there's a lot of people even the other day i saw a tweet from a very prominent person saying you can't really have a method for innovation in fact there was another twitterer who said it is impossible to teach innovation something like that so i did one series of podcasts just to counter that triggered whenever people say this that and i made it my life's mission that everybody should be innovating and now in this context everybody should be doing digital transformation and i consider that to be my personal mission so to your point about emotion my emotions get triggered whenever people say that can't be done so i will stop here and then lead back to what is the perspective based on your question but at a high level the emotion is i think drives innovation without emotion i don't think you will get innovation at all a lot of innovations based purely on emotional triggers like steve jobs or uh, elon musk i mean even to quote like people from india like we have in tamil nadu like the arvindai hospital uh, founder dr venkateswamy uh, dr v yeah. yeah dr v and then uh, this uh, the, the padman the muruganandam arunachalam i think yeah. they they pour their life savings like i i remember uh, reading about uh, dr v that he sold his uh, or he mortgaged his property the only house and then uh, their uh, brothers life savings to uh, start this hospital like uh, the same way for uh, the muruganandam uh, yeah. also they he has i think you know, he beg borrowed like uh, put all the money that he had to develop this low cost machine and again i don't think this this all these things were driven by profits alone the innovations which are driven by emotions can they be sustainable because yeah so i am not sure that i i, I was for this interview i was doing looking back at time i was thinking i am not able to find any innovation that did not start from an emotion okay. if you look at history's innovators the top <clears throat> say gutenberg which is the printing press and the many people consider is that the number one innovation in the world no he created it during the period of reformation where he felt that the bible needs to be available to everybody he did not want the priests and people to interpret the bible and tell people so if you notice the gutenberg bible which is the first printed document ever was because of his strong emotion and he set out to invent a entirely new device that will make that happen now whether emotion is sustainable that's a great question and this is what i think and why i think this also might explain why people find difficult to get into the space of innovation we don't feel that strongly about it right if you look at steve jobs saying he says i want to put a dent in the universe i don't think that many of us have that type of drive and emotion right so strong one 
wrong. It's it's like what I find is maybe we experience a little bit of irritation and we yeah right, chalega or whatever. Correct. Move on, right? The the real innovators they pick up on that signal. Gutenberg himself, he's the guy who invested in the printer idea. He took uh, Gutenberg's business. So Gutenberg had to start all over again. Right? You can think of uh, the guy who invested to be one of the first VCs type of first person. Okay. You can say that investor was unhappy with Gutenberg's progress. So he took Gutenberg's whole thing and said, "You are out." I don't know what he did with it, but then Gutenberg. persisted so you look at stories i wanted to give you another example which i think i have also written about if you look at the invention of the stethoscope so that one if you look at the french uh, doctor his name just slipped my mind he he was he was at that time they used to put their ears on the chest of the patient to listen to the sounds that the heart and lungs were making now this doctor young doctor was a shy person and the patient was a woman so he was like feeling shy i don't want to put my ear on her chest type of thing and then he connects the dot to and he was already a flautist so he knew about the flute and how the sounds are transmitted he had a little bit of knowledge of that so he fashions the first stethoscope out of wood the original one was made of wood and it i think it even looks like a flute so you put one end of it on the patient's chest and the other end and you listen it was much later that the modern stethoscope that we see on doctors uh, things comes later so he was doing I, like i said i am not able to find any innovation that did not start with a very strong emotion like i said this this emotion do the rest of us experience that strong an emotion the answer is probably no which is what i need we need to work on so i will just take a diversion little bit here because i think there is a very important finding in innovation that i would like to communicate to your audience which goes also to the question that is can innovation be taught right can everybody be a i mean when i say innovation now i am interested in doing real transformation not continuous innovation okay so if you look at my career trajectory i when i came back to india i became head of innovation of cognizant in 2009 at that point we decided as a team that we will go after continuous innovation inspired by kaizen and other things which our hypothesis proved to be right everybody could do innovation and cognizant associates delivered a billion dollars of continuous so we know that now for a fact now that everybody can do continuous innovation now what is not clear is can everybody do transformative innovation right so in that again this is there's a there's one skeptic there is one emotional side of me says no yes everybody can do it and everybody must do it and if everybody on the planet doesn't do transformation i have failed right that is one side of me which is not the rational part right it is irrational but the rational part says give me a break if that's true everybody would have done it by now and the expert saying oh it cannot be taught and there are these real experts that i truly respect when they say things like that it does affect me in a deep way is this is what i am working on just some foolish pursuit or is it real so luckily i read one brilliant article by daniel pink who is one of my favorite authors as well he wrote a long article in the wired magazine 
this uh, came i think in the year 2009 I, i just for the purpose of this interview i went back and looked at that it was called what kind of genius are you i will send you a link after this sure this was written in 2006 july 1st 2006 to be precise I had come across it sometime 2008 2009 he there he cites the research of a professor scientist researcher by name david gallanson of the university of chicago truly mind blowing research what gallanson sets out to discover he looks at artists painters movie makers mainly in the arts and he shows that there are two kinds of innovators once he calls conceptual innovators and others he call experimentative or experimental innovators now conceptual innovators are the ones that produce a breakthrough suddenly they are sitting and they have this at least that's how the stories are told okay so they make and they are very young it's impossible for them to have gone through a fully a knowledge based approach something inspiration something strikes them because he talks about uh, artists who became very picasso from he was 24 years old he produced a master there are other kinds of masters he finds who are blooming at a very late age okay so i want to give you guys some specific examples which i picked up from the dot in literature huckleberry finn which is one of the most famous books written by mark twain at the age of 50 Cezon who was a master painter a brilliant painter age 64 Chateau Noir is his master piece Vertigo Alfred Hitchcock 59 architecture Frank Lloyd Wright the falling water uh, structure age 70 symphony number no. 9 one of the most famous symphonies Ludwig von Beethoven age 54 so conceptual innovators come with their break- breakthroughs we don't know how Okay. okay i think those people that are arguing that it cannot be taught they come from that school of thought because i don't believe that it can be truly taught or at least i don't know how but experimental innovation gives a real hope that it is possible to do and david gallanson studies the approaches of the experimental innovators what they do is they spot something they tinker they try something they keep on trying and one day they land with their masterpiece or innovate now if you look at what we teach in tiny magic it is an experimentative type approach so it is teachable now what is the role of emotion okay so let's look at some examples of digital transformations because we work in that space now you and i were taking taxis right we stand in the middle of the street and wave it down or call the cab company did we experience any emotion no but Garrett Camp and uh, Travis Kalanick thought that that was not acceptable. They needed a car where they were standing when they were standing. The story goes that it was they were standing in some city and it was pouring rain and they couldn't get a cab. So that they experienced a very strong emotion at that point. To your point about emotions, which they set out to change the game. right so there's another innovation that i often talk about the automated teller machine of james shepherd barrow i have done this exercise with many people if you can imagine the time before atms what what problems did you notice i don't know if i have done that with you do you what would you have noticed Pro- uh, before atm like you know, i probably have to wait uh, 
uh, if it is a weekend or like if it is a holiday then i probably have to plan my cash uh, holding like you know if I, I may not be able to do any purchases if i don't have cash if the bank is a holiday or i have to borrow it from my neighbor or those kind of yeah. issues right yes most people that we have done this exercise they'll say there is queues i mean i remember one time i go to the bank my turn comes and the clerk went for a lunch break that's, or that's and that then they introduced have... the token system which kind of improved that at least you're sitting in a seat and not standing in a queue okay. but then james shepherd baron says how come i can't get cash on sunday right he is upset about that so then he invents the what is became the modern automated teller machine which went through many iterations from then he did that in the year 1967 so so we needed a proxy for that emotion so the people that we teach innovation to who are already manning or operating certain processes like you said i plan for how the bank operates internally subconsciously they have planned for whatever processes they are executing so they can't actually see the emotion in it it's bottom of the iceberg which which is what led us to the concept of performance under supply the performance under supply x ray and finding the trim tap so without using an emotion you spot something that you could work on and then you now become emotional about it right emotion can also be post factor once i identified a problem and now i become passionate about it okay okay it's like uh, one time in uh, in cognizant in one of the innovation summits we had this author rashmi bansal i don't know if you have read her works uh, yeah the she written like all the small uh, nice books yeah. she she covers i think she has covered many of the indian innovators so i like her for that because many people don't write about indian innovation and she does a very good job of that so we had invited her she was conducting our job and she said, she said something very interesting she said that um, becoming passionate about something is like arranged marriage okay right you are married somebody and then you become passionate about that person okay. so it is possible for us to do that otherwise uh, most arranged marriages will fail if we can't really do that right so it is also possible for us once you find an opportunity or an idea you can now bring passion into it which is the emotional thing which again proves your point that without emotion there is no innovation okay so basically like either it emotion can be a trigger for innovation and also it could be a, a factor for sustaining that innovation or like taking it forward correct because as i said many of us don't experience emotion especially when we are inside a certain context see we had all assumed that to catch a cab we had to dance in the middle of the street we didn't see a problem with that so if you went and asked me what innovation was needed in the taxi cab industry at best i might have told you something like wait this meter uh, should wake a meter or something like that i might have said right i might not have said the gap should come where i stand when i stand right so or the rate rationalization could have could be one thing like okay there has to be a standard rate that probably standard rate at best we would have thought about so now if you put all of this together and look at it from the perspective of emotion either you are a type of person that looks at a situation and you don't accept it or it can also be a positive emotion i'll give you another example of this again the name slips my mind the guy invented velcro 
okay so he looks at uh, his he went somewhere into the forest came back and he found these little things sticking to his dog's fur uh, okay. and then he wiped it off and it went off but it was sticking so i was wondering what is this and uh, that led to uh, velcro okay right so you can become so emotion is always there but i think the rest of us who are not able to instantly get that type of innovation we need a little bit of thinking tools they should not be like too heavy you can't give step 1 do this step 2 do this and make a very elaborate process for transformative innovation but you can give people some thinking tools that allow them to identify an opportunity which they can become passionate about after they have found the opportunity either way i think emotion plays a great role i mean we can we can't make someone uh, uh, okay you become uh, highly emotional then only innovation will come you can't just no. do that so they have you can't to, do that okay okay uh, you mentioned about transformative uh, innovation right so so, so is it uh, is it something similar to the breakthrough innovation or uh, yeah correct so i so innovation has two forms primarily one is continuous so you make incremental tweaks to it which i which was the basis of the cognizant managed innovation program everybody was able to do it it's fine now transformative innovation within it has a breakthrough innovation because without breakthroughs you can't do transformation okay okay like uber would you consider that to be a breakthrough innovation yeah i think that's it is okay. yeah but if you dig if you look at if you peel the onion why they already used uh, pre existing what we call as digital dots right they have they use the gps based google maps that we were already using payment gateways app store social media so they just connected these digital dots to create a transformative innovation which is what gives me the inspiration that all of us can do it in fact i start from the reverse why i didn't come up with uber because it is so simple that i always it tortures me why i didn't come up with uber that's another strong emotion like i think it something else will very come out strong. yeah which is a great point right i am very tortured by that how come i didn't come up with it now i was the cio of cognizant we have, we used to transport 25000 people a day even at that time now this must be like 50 80000 people had we come up with the uber idea we could have actually taken business impact out of that but then we don't think like that so this whole journey that we are in in digital transformation is which also goes back to my original angst that why can't all of us innovate right that's my burning thing that keeps me going like everybody has to do transformation So, so I mean, interestingly, you mentioned about that uh, you know develop or mindset kind of thing, right? Uh, so more like, see, for me, like if I'm becoming emotional, then I I need that looking for uh, the I mean, you're talking about the possibility filter and uh, other things. Like, I, mean, I have to have a an eye for uh, uh, seeing these possibilities, right? So, so which probably means I mean, do we have to have a innovative mindset for for uh, uh, bringing transformation in organizations? Yeah I think so but uh, I think that's a great question and I'm not sure that innovation is one mindset I think it has many mindsets 
for example one that i often talk about is the responsibility mode versus fault mode kumaran talks a lot about curiosity right you have to be curious so curious mindset is also important you have to have a responsible you should be able to be frugal you should be able to persist with things which you brought up initially the people innovators they have to persist with it. it the success doesn't come to them immediately there are people who have struggled forever to if you look at the list that i gave up front those are all people who have worked long time i mean imagine producing a world greatest symphony at the age of 74 i mean hitchcock we all think is a great director but look his vertigo was produced when he was age 54 So I think this experimental innovation path is, gives me the great hope that all of us can do it. Yeah, I mean, going back to the responsibility mode, we have to feel responsible for the client experience. See, the other thing that tortures me a lot is I didn't come up with the agile model, right? I have thirty-two years IT industry experience. I am doing the waterfall model. I know clients are saying, "Why is this taking?" so much time and i am saying look this is how software is developed yeah yeah had i questioned why software should be developed using that model i might have come up with the agile model so today i know that that was not a responsibility mode mindset tend to ascribe our inability to innovate to our environment that is fault mode thinking for the best way to notice this in people is when people come late ask them why you are late they might say traffic and i hear these days they say network delay <laughs> because of the working from home. the working from home network is slow right so if you hear people giving excuse that means they are not in responsibility mode which means they can't innovate so i found that taking responsibility for your or your client situation is the first step even even when you will spot the problem so you can't even see the problem if you are not even in responsibility mode so arvind dai hospital one of the things which uh, uh, they did was uh, in the old people in villages uh, they cannot see i mean they, I mean, they had problems they were not able to see but they were not willing to come to the hospital for surgeries and now uh, like uh, they were trying to find out why because they said like no i cannot stay in the hospital because i i mean and i i i have to get back because i don't have money and all those things so they developed this system of uh, one day surgery you come in the morning do it in two hours and they are sent back on the same day so that has become a, and then they have went to the uh, this, the patient's place itself i think they did uh, i think this this uh, comes to the point of the responsibility mode uh, so far because they yeah, felt i think yeah any other eye doctor might have said look this is how the process works yes you have to come you have to come and do it or you don't do it right so this brilliant example i didn't i was not exactly aware what triggered dr v's ideas definitely we would be able to develop this innovative mindset or what it's not as you uh, said like there is no single mindset for innovation but it is a a uh, series of like you become curious you become responsible the mode and then slowly this will come and then you will be able to spot uh, different opportunities correct so Absolutely. and then again uh, i mean you kind of answer uh, this in the beginning like uh, like can we put a structure to this to bring out innovation in the organization see because individually i think most of these uh, uh, examples that that uh, 
you talked about her they they kind of were operating in uh, in individual capacity right but, but when you want to bring in as a structure in an organization i think these are all the certain uh, points have to be uh, brilliant question brilliant so the point is this there is a good news and the bad news in that right the bad news let's first look at the bad news and then the good news and then the like a sandwich right the bad news is the big companies didn't develop uber if you look at the world's greatest innovations none of them were made by generally right there are exceptions to this apple and few companies amazon chief amongst them to this exception but majority of the innovations were done by individual people like startups or individual inventors and people so the bad news is the corporations are not able to do it good news is the individuals are able to do it what if we can combine these two spirits because corporations have resources but they are unable to think differently which is why i think tiny magic is in the unique position to marry these two worlds where we can get any group of people to come up with transformative innovation and we have enough evid- evidence we have seen over the last 5 years that that is doable okay so it, it is it is possible so yeah i think uh, i know i know uh, the i've seen a uh, lot of examples in different programs of tiny magic that uh, this innovation is i mean once you have a kind of a preparatory stage for all the people all the individuals to come in i think they they are actually yeah, yeah they they are able to do that i mean people are inherently creative and innovative it's just that i also sometimes think cynically that uh, people who uh, innovate who are top innovators they probably want to keep that thing a secret i don't know possible definitely like i will give you an example right somebody asked michael angelo how he makes these wonderful sculptures and the answer he gives stuck in my head he says apparently he looks at the piece of marble and then the sculpture appears in his head and he chisels out everything else okay. now imagine you are a sculptor and trying to do that will you ever be able to make a sculpture like that you, you won't be <laughs> so maybe i don't know maybe michael angelo i am sure is not lying but at what age did he start doing that or did he was he born with that type of ability we don't know right so i have seen people who have come up with this breakthrough innovations give one who kind of answer that makes it hard for any of us to learn from it i think this this goes back to the point you mentioned about this a conceptual innovation right conceptual they have it in their mind Correct. and probably it's a, it's a revelation for them but for others i don't think it will be it will be revealed in any sense in fact my uh, so the, the, interestingly my father recently composed a set of songs in honor of uh, kabalishwaram the temple in mailapur where we used to so i asked him how he came up with these tunes and songs and he said it's divine revelation right he was not able to say what the process he used was suddenly he was just and he started only at the age of 75 composing songs and things like that wow that's which also goes to my hypothesis that it, it you can keep doing this at any age age isn't a matter but if you ask him what is the process he was not able to describe so i think people who are not able to describe the process also come up with this answer that magically something yes. happens correct right? correct yeah. lot of people say that now i don't know it just came to my mind just yes. came to my mind yeah. yes. whereas me in the in the research and i am always interested in how people generate idea and i always found that 
it it's a step by step iterative process so it does you can boil this down to a set of lightweight kind of methods that anybody can follow probably uh, for for your father's case like at 75 because he would have been uh, hearing so many uh, you know different uh, slogans oh, all he's a singer over, yeah yeah over the period of time these tips have been uh, they become like a uh, you know in their subconscious it has gone so it's very Correct. difficult to explain those steps exactly it's gone into the subconscious so he wrote the lyrics for the song he composed the tune and he sang it brilliant and by that time he was able to publish this song we just published it during the covid crisis he is now almost 88 so 88 age he published this album That's but i remember he used to talk about lyrics that he has written and he will talk about songs he has composed and he would sing them to me but i didn't take that seriously enough so my point is i think no, not many people can actually explain the process that they use like you said it's subconscious somewhere the gears are churning and then it spits out an answer like we all have experienced that right we think about a problem we can't solve it we let it go and suddenly the solution appears probably the subconscious is at work like okay maybe whatever the process that subconscious follows if we can decode that then i think we have a magical uh, or a magic wand in our hand to to produce this innovation the structure to this innovation so to just to be uh, clear right i am not advocating that you have a very heavy weight innovation process i don't think that work okay. because innovation itself is based on the philosophy of breaking rules so we can't come with a rules based system to break rules it doesn't even make any sense when you when no. i even say it like right <laughs> but uh, you can come up with uh, like set of uh, light weight protocols which when applied can help anybody identify an opportunity it is it's just like making sweets right super i mean unless you have a, a sweet substance like sugar or something of that has to be there for us to make any kind of sweet Correct. so so for innovation i think whatever the steps or whatever the structure that uh, uh, you know has to be put in place is like a substrate like and then on that you know innovation can just come in and uh, Like yeah that. i mean i think that's a interesting metaphor it's like a recipe it's not like hard and fast right i can tell you these are the ingredients put it together in this way and you will get i mean i did try that method i tried tried to make rasagulla with a process okay to make rasagulla and finally my rasagulla came out to be all flat <laughs> so we we'll call it as a flat rasagulla <laughs> Yeah, I mean, flat is still okay. It was sort of like a shapeless blob. <laughs> so then my wife uh, did something and then made it at least somewhat edible. So the recipe may be a good metaphor. You can't just follow a recipe and expect something to happen, right? So you have to have some knowledge of cooking and how ingredients work and. the recipe is more like a guideline right you can't so it's interesting interesting questions thank you thank you very much for your time sukumar and uh, thank you for sharing those wonderful insights on uh, innovation thank you